0: live with cdp sports talk a weekly sports and entertainment podcast sponsored by barry cullen chevrolet live on youtube facebook twitter twitch and linkedin and on audio via apple podcast google podcast spotify anchor fm iheart radio amazon music radio public and TuneIn. now here's your host chris Pome. Good morning, everybody. Wishing everybody here
1: in Canada a happy Thanksgiving Day on this Sunday, October 8th, 2023. Welcome to Live with CDP Sports Talk Season 6, Episode 47, Overall 322. And uh, as always, Live with CDP Sports Talk is sponsored by Barry Cullen Chevrolet Dealership here in Guelph at 905 Woodlawn Road West in the Guelph Auto Mall. Check out BarryCullen.com for the newest selection of new and pre-owned GM vehicles, or give them a call at 519-824-0210, or you can email them at info at Live with CDP Sports Talk is on weeknights at 8 p.m. Eastern on WQEE 99.1 FM in Metro Atlanta, the home of Southern Talk and Sports Sports And a shout out to Ryan O'Neill for having me on his uh, station for the last eight months as well. Uh, I hope everyone's doing good on this Sunday, October 8th. Again, it's a happy Thanksgiving here in Canada. I'm looking forward to my guest today. This is his first appearance, and I met a sailing field this year. His name is Brian Frank. He's a creator a creator and designer of the website The Herd Chronicles, uh, which is a site dedicated to preserving that preserving the history of the buffalo bisons and professional baseball in buffalo he's also uh author and he's also i've been involved i think with 15 books and i met him this summer uh when i was covering the bisons down in buffalo as well and i'm going to bring him on right now good morning brian how are you doing
2: good morning great to be here and uh happy canadian thanksgiving weekend too
1: Thank you. Yeah. Ours is about five weeks before yours is, I think yours this year is on what, November 26th in the States?
2: Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I like having it this time of year though in in the fall when the leaves are turning and everything's beautiful. Yeah. It's great. Do you miss the bisons already? I do miss them already, but you know, I was looking at some stats this morning before i came on here and and in some ways it feel like feels like it just ended and in other ways it feels like it was about a year ago (laughs) like that the season ended already
1: there was what did you i'm gonna before we get into the bisons what did you think of the of the international league going to two halves a first half and a second half
2: you know originally when they did it i wasn't a big fan of it um you know i'm I, I guess you could say I'm a little bit traditional and I, I just wanted to play the season and, and see who the winners were. But um, in hindsight, I think it worked really well. I think it was actually a good idea. Um, the thing about AAA is the rosters change so much. You know, you get guys injuries in the major leagues and guys going up or guys just performing well and getting called up to the majors. Um, you get guys pushing their way up from AA And really, you know, for a lot of teams, their roster in September is a lot different than it was in April. So kind of having the two halves allowed for those new guys to have a new beginning again. And um, the Bisons are a perfect example of of using the second half to their advantage because they got off to a really slow start in April, were really out of it. Norfolk kind of ran away with the division in the league, and it gave them an opportunity – in the second half to really challenge for the league title again. So, so it worked out great and it was really exciting.
1: Yeah. The Bisons were 34 and 41 in the first half, second half, they came on 42 and 31, 76 and 72 overall. I think this is what their third or fourth consecutive winning season.
2: Yeah. It's really been uh, exciting since uh, Casey Kandel came on board and they actually won uh, the division back in 2021. So, Yeah, it's been a great little run here lately.
1: What are your thoughts over on Casey Candell as the Bisons manager? And do you see him being back in Buffalo next year or possibly with the Blue Jays or another major league baseball team?
2: Yeah, I suppose there's always a possibility that he could be moving up to to the major leagues. But hopefully, you know, from my own perspective, I hope he's back in Buffalo. Um, He's really been great. He really uh, knows the community well because he played here back in the nineties with the Bisons. Um, He's actually uh, the only person in Bison's history, which goes back to 1877 to play for a division winning team and in Buffalo, and then manage a division winning team in Buffalo. Um, So he he's just been great. And as you know, from talking to him, he's a great person has a great sense of humor uh, the players love playing for him. The fans love him because he's he he has so much fun, and he expects players to to work hard and and give full effort every day, and also have fun. So um, yeah, hopefully he's back uh, in Buffalo because I I love having him to talk to, and and I often say I don't think I ever talk with Casey Candel that I don't learn something new, um, whether it's about. A player that he points something out to me, whether it's about game strategy or some new rule like the um, ABS uh, automatic strike zone this year or something like that. He, he's I feel like I learned from him, which I love because um, he's just such a great baseball mind. Absolutely.
1: What do you figure? What do you think his biggest strength is? Just his ability to connect with the players. Obviously, he wants them to play hard, have fun. But uh, what what do you figure his his biggest asset is as a manager of a minor league team?
2: Yeah, I think that, and I think um just having the respect of the players. Like they know that he had success at this level, at the Triple A level, certainly right here with the Bisons, and also that he played in the major leagues, and you know, with the Expos and Houston, some other teams, and was very successful there. So, um, yeah, I think just his experience and that he did it as a player and he knows what they're going through and he just relates so well to them. Um, they Players really love playing for him, you can tell. Also, uh,
1: you were mentioning uh, the Bisons go back to 1877. Now, did they use the the name Buffalo Bison since 1877 or has there been a few different names?
2: You know, it's amazing that they really adopted that name pretty early on. Um, I can't remember if they actually had it in 1877, but by 1878, they were using the name, the newspapers and stuff were using the name Bisons. And they actually like that. Sometimes uh, fans around here will call them the herd, as you can see from the herd chronicles. And uh, that kind of came pretty early too, using the the nickname, the herd for them as well. So it, it really is amazing. And when you look at how long uh, teams have had certain nicknames. Uh, The nickname Bisons goes back. It's one of the earliest nicknames. There's a few others that go back that far. The Phillies, I think, are one that that goes back pretty far. But um, it's one of the earliest nicknames that a team adopted that's still around today, which is pretty neat.
1: And speaking of that, I'm involved with the CFL's Toronto Argonauts. They've had the same name since 1873. They were founded wow. by the Toronto Argonaut Rowing Club. They were originally a rugby team, and then they became a football team in the early 1900s. But they've been called the Toronto Argonauts now for 150 years. And uh, I just love the history of that franchise and 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 want to learn more about the history of the Buffalo Bisons and the history of baseball in Buffalo on that what one of your roles is, is what is covering the Bisons and the history of baseball in Buffalo.
2: Yeah. The, um the website, the Heart chronicles kind of started out as exclusively like a history website. Um, I grew up uh, just a huge baseball fan. And I can remember when I was really young being at the Bisons old stadium or Memorial stadium when I was a kid. And, they they always had a section in the program about bison's history and just being a, a kid who was obsessed with baseball i would read them and just blow my mind how far back baseball in buffalo went and that early on like from 1879 to 1885 they were in the national league and i couldn't believe that buffalo actually had a national league team and had players who made the hall of fame and and so I really got interested in Bison's history and baseball history early on. Um, then later on, I remember when I was in college in the in the '90s, and I was I had to write a paper for college, and I had to go to the Buffalo Library, the Central Library, and look at old newspapers on microfilm, and of course started looking at the sports sections, which I probably wasn't supposed to be doing, but and reading about old Bison's games and. And then I started looking at some of the National League games back in the 1880s and, you know, again, was blown away that we used to have a National League team. And I thought, man, this would make a great book someday to write a book about the the National League team. And um, I kind of just kept that in the back of my mind and went on with my life. And uh, uh, later on, probably about 2012, maybe, I started uh, thinking about it again and going back and doing some research on the National League team. And uh, eventually my wife was like, Hey, why don't you start putting this stuff out on a website? And you know, all the research and the stories that you're learning. And um, it took some convincing. Cause so I was like, Oh no, it's going to be a book. But eventually I was like, yeah, I could make a, a website about Bison's history and the Twitter feed and everything that goes with it. And um, so that's kind of how, how the herd Chronicle started. And then I, I still try to keep true to that, that it's a, uh, preserving uh Buffalo baseball history, but it's also kind of evolved into the history aspect and then covering the current team too, because uh, you know, this is history happening right before our eyes. So I feel like I'm kind of doing a firsthand account of the current bisons teams for somebody look to look back on years from now. So it's still a history blog and covers bisons and professional baseball history in Buffalo. And also um Blue Jays prospects and the guys coming up and what's going on on the field today.
1: One thing I wanted to ask you, Brian, is they've been affiliated with the Blue Jays now for 10 years, which I think has been great. I know the Jays prior had a farm team in Syracuse, which is a couple hours from Buffalo, but how, how, how important and how great has this relationship been with the Toronto Blue Jays for the last 10 years?
2: Oh, uh, it's been fantastic. And being this close to your parent club, uh, you know, has been wonderful as far as guys getting called up and being able to be right at Rogers center within, you know, like an hour and a half, they can be there. Um, yeah. They, Bison's have had many affiliations um, over the years. Their most successful uh, probably was with Cleveland who they were with from 1995 to 2008 as far as like bringing championships to the city, they won uh, a championship in 1997 in the old American association. And then won the governor's cup in the international league in 1998 and 2004, and uh, that was a great affiliation. And then the uh, Cleveland decided that they wanted to have their farm clubs based in Ohio. So they moved, they, they pulled out and went to Columbus. Uh, Buffalo is with the Mets for I think four years at that time and then uh, finally came with the Blue Jays and, and it's been absolutely fantastic especially for me because I grew up a Blue Jays fan so ha- having the Blue Jays here and and having that you know being able to be up in Toronto quickly or players coming back this way ha- has been tremendous it's been a great partnership
1: Okay, we'll get into a little more about the Blue Jays at the end of our, towards the end of our show, but I wanted to ask you this, because I never ever was able to go to a game at the old War Memorial Stadium, but what was it like attending games there, and was that stadium, was it built more for football than baseball?
2: It absolutely was built more for football. You know, you saying that kind of reminds me of, I don't know if you ever got to see a Blue Jays game in Exhibition Stadium. Yes, it, it 100, pissed. yes. Yeah, kind of the same thing where it was kind of like retrofitted for baseball. So it's definitely a football stadium, but you know, I I, growing up, I got to go to some of the great old stadiums like Tiger Stadium and the the old stadium in Cleveland and Yankee Stadium and stuff. And this kind of had the same feel to it, like um, you know, just that really old time feel. And I know probably a lot of people watching and listening have seen the natural. And War Memorial Stadium, which the fans around here affectionately call the Old Rock Pile, was used as the home stadium for Robert Redford's team, the New York Knights, in the natural. And um, yeah, it, w- it was really cool to be able to grow up going to games there because it really felt like you were connected so to the past um, because it was such an old stadium. And, uh, you know, you don't have a lot of those places around anymore. You know, you have like Wrigley Field and, and Fenway, and that, that's yep. pretty much it as far as stadiums that go back that far. So kind of depression era is when it was built. So, yeah, it was wonderful to be able to go to games there.
1: Have you ever been to the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame here yet in St. Mary's, Ontario?
2: I have not, but I've okay heard wonderful things about it, and I, I definitely have to get there someday because I know it's a wonderful place and and tells a great story
1: yeah i know the guy scott crawford and they have a whole bunch of seats from exhibition stadium there and a, a lot of blue jay stuff and there's a lot of history of baseball here in canada as well It and it's really nice so if you ever want to go let me know and uh, also uh being an argo fan they are now on at bmo field where the toronto fc soccer team argos play just maybe about 1,000 feet from BMO Field, they have the bases markers for home plate first, second, third at Exhibition Stadium as well. Because there is a lot of history there, not just from the Blue Jays, but the Argos played there from 59 to 88. And uh, they had a lot of concerts there, a lot of Grey cups there. And I'm a historian guy. Every time I go to a city, I like to find out where their former stadiums are and and just try to get pictures of that site and that as well
2: yeah i have not been there to see like the bases i think they're in the parking lot right they have them painted on the um yes yeah i i definitely would love to get there to see that someday because i'm the kind of guy that when i do visit a stadium or something i have to go around and look at all the statues and the plaques on the walls and and you know i i know at shea stadium uh where shea stadium used to be in new york city they have kind of a similar thing because it's right outside of city where City Field is now, and they have the bases there in the parking lot too. And I had to go look at that when I was there. So I would definitely like to to get back and look at where the you know Exhibition Stadium, what they have there to commemorate it. That's that's awesome that they have that.
1: I miss that stadium because that's where I went to my first Major League Baseball game on Friday, May fifth, nineteen seventy eight, as a six year old kid. My uh, late father took me to a game and it was Laura Secord. I wish i kept the baseball, but back in the 70s, us kids didn't do that stuff. We didn't collect stuff. We just played with it. And I just have so many fond memories at that stadium as well. And since I have you on, I've had Jerry Howarth on my show before too. The Jays being an exhibition stadium, what was your uh, most memorable moment there, fondest moment there?
2: Well, you know, growing stadium? up, we were, yeah, we went to a lot of games there uh, growing up. Uh, my dad was a mail carrier and so he would always have Sundays off. You didn't have Saturdays off, but you have Sundays off. And so very often when the Blue Jays were home on a Sunday, we would go up to a game. And we actually used to go to about 10 Blue Jay games a year, most of which were in Toronto. But we would also go to Cleveland uh sometimes when they were there in Detroit and see them there. So I we went to Exhibition Stadium like quite a bit uh growing up and um you know just watching the I remember going back when it was like before kind of that 80s team evolved back when it was like Rick Bosetti and Bob Baylor and guys like that but then when I really started to get into baseball was kind of like you know it's kind of old enough to be really into it was when Barfield and Mosby and Bell and Upshaw and Damaso Garcia and all those guys were coming in in the early 80s and so just kind of watching that team evolve and you know we used to get there early for batting practice and we for some reason we always had seats around the visitors bullpen and uh i can remember like the first row by the visitors bullpen they were usually available when we went to buy them and we would sit right there and we would talk to the guys in the visitors bullpen and i, I vividly remember talking to like tippy martinez who pitched for the orioles and uh it, it was just kind of a really cool experience um being and we would sit out in uh left field too in the in the seats in left field and uh that were i think they were like two dollars a piece uh dominion
1: (laughs) two dollar tickets yes Uh, i did that many times
0: yeah
2: and in all kinds of weather like i remember going to the games there in the summer when the cne was going on you could use your ticket to get in free to the cne and then go to the game and i remember being there in april when it was just bitter wind chill and and sitting on the metal benches down the right field line and and trying to stay warm. So, yeah, just kind of – I think all – not one thing stands up. It's just kind of being there and and seeing that team from the 80s kind of grow up together and and eventually win the division in 1985. And, yeah, that was was awesome.
1: And I believe the last forfeited game in Major League Baseball – was I think September 1577 Orioles and Jays uh, Earl Weaver wanted the uh, bricks removed from the tarp on the on the visitors bullpen and I guess they didn't want to comply and the Jays ended up winning that game nine nothing I believe
2: yeah that's right and probably another thing that stands out of a a moment that I was there for um, I was actually there the day that Kelly Gruber hit for the cycle So that, that was, it's kind of like a moment. It was on a Sunday afternoon. I think it was against Kansas city. April
1: Um, 89,
2: 1989. Yeah. Yeah. We were there. We were there for that. So that was kind of a cool moment.
1: Yeah. And uh, you know, what was funny? The last, I was at the second last game there on may 27th, 89, but the last game there uh, after George Bell hit that home run to win the game seven, five and 10 innings, the white Sox players took the, took the bases. Or did and, they really? Yeah. Steve Lyons took a base and uh, nobody knows whatever happened to those bases other than I think home plate is now at the Canadian baseball hall of fame here in, in Canada. But uh, it's just, I guess back then, like I said, it's just amazing uh, how that game ended, but uh, yeah, yeah, Steve Lyons, they saw him uh, take second base. And I, I would like to ask Steve Lyons if he still has that base from the old stadium.
2: Yeah, that's a, I, I remember that game. Well, um, we used to get the uh, we'd get Channel Nine CFTO, and they always had the games on on Sunday afternoons and Wednesday nights with uh, Tony Kubek and Don Chevrier and Fergie Oliver, and um, for some reason that last game because uh, it was a Sunday as I remember it uh, it wasn't on TV here at least and uh, but I remember listening to it on the radio with Tom Cheek and Jerry Howarth on the call of course and uh, yes. That game definitely stands out with George Bell hitting the home run to win it, how appropriate that was.
1: If you were a fan of Fergie Oliver, uh, he's kind of disappeared since being off the Blue Jay broadcast. But if you uh, Google after you're done today or later on, Toronto Mike, uh, he's got a podcast show. It's called Toronto Mike. And he had Fergie Oliver on his show this past July. And Fergie came on for an hour. And it was a really good podcast. So if if you were a fan of Fergie's uh, when he was a Jays sideline reporter back then, I would recommend Toronto Mike's uh, podcast.
2: Yeah, definitely have to check that out.
1: All right, we'll get some back to some more questions, Brian. Uh, this one I wanted to ask you: What were some of your favorite moments at Old Memorial Stadium? And also, so uh, so far at the new ballpark, uh, Salient Field, which has gone under what four or five different names so far since
2: 1988? Yeah, um, boy, that's a good one. I think going back to the old ballpark just kind of there isn't really a moment that stands out so much as just being there and kind of being in that atmosphere. It was really unique um, because like you were saying before, it was kind of retrofitted the baseball field onto the football field. So you would have to, um, the players, the The dugouts didn't go right to the clubhouses. They actually had to go through a tunnel behind home plate. Um, and it was kind of like the concourse where people would, there were like food stands and like souvenir stands back there. So the players would actually like walk through the fans to get to the clubhouses.
1: Wow. I did not know that.
2: Yeah. And they, and they had a, um, I think it was 1987. The blue Jays came here for an exhibition game to play uh, Cleveland. Um, It was the day before the season started. And uh, a few days before that, we had a big snowfall and they had to, dry out the fields, they had to fly in helicopters and have them hover over the field so that the, the helicopter, like, turning would, would dry the field. And they eventually, I don't think they would have let them play nowadays there because it was probably still too wet. But back then, they, they took the field, and it was, the you know, the Blue Jays' big players played that day, like Mosby and Bell and Barfield and everybody. And uh, I remember uh, Cleveland at the time had, like, Phil Necro and Steve Carlton pitch that, that we were on the staff and uh, awesome being a, a high school age kid at the time, we would, we stood in the um, tunnel and watched all the players come through. And I remember seeing Fred McGriff there and uh, it was re- really a cool experience, especially because I was a blue Jays fan to have that happen right, right there at that stadium. That's probably the memory that stands out for me most there. Um, the new field. I mean, there's just been, amazing bison moments over the years and also of course the blue chase being here in 2020 and 2021 um the bisons have had heartbreaking losses um in 1990 they lost a one-game playoff to nashville in extra innings for some reason the sometimes the bad moments stand out as much as the good ones um and of course more recently uh just getting to know players, getting to know Casey Candell there. Um, so definitely lots of memories at both ballparks that stand out.
1: Absolutely. I did not know the Jays played at old Memorial stadium, 87 against Cleveland. Is there any pictures or stuff on the internet from um, that game?
2: I have like a couple pictures that I took. Um, I think I put them on Twitter a long time ago. I didn't take them. Actually, my dad took them okay. a long time ago. And, um, they're not uh, close-ups. It's more just kind of from our seat looking out at the field. I think you can kind of make out like Ernie Witt in one of them. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, yeah, if you uh, search on Twitter, you might be able to come up with them.
1: Definitely, and that's great. Hey, uh, Brian, are you still good for a few more questions? Oh, yeah. okay for a few Absolutely. More? Okay. Uh, this question I wanted to ask you um, – Thoughts overall on this 2023 Buffalo Bison season and uh, some of the players like Davis Schneider, Ernie Clement, Spencer Horowitz, and then uh, Cameron Eden who got called up at the end by the Blue Jays.
2: Yeah, you know, the, I think the thing that stands out about the season was uh, they got off to offensively, especially, a really bad start in April. Like nobody was hitting. Um they even had a game, there was a doubleheader against Iowa, I think it was April 20th, um, and minor league doubleheaders are seven innings long, so, and they went to the, the seventh inning of the first game, and they didn't have a hit yet, they eventually got one, they went to the seventh inning of the second game, and they didn't have a hit yet, and they eventually got one, but they almost got no hit, and a doubleheader in both games, they, they went, so that, that kind of like symbolized that month of April. Then they ended up going to Gwinnett the last week of April to play the Braves A team. And they just exploded. Their offense just exploded. Uh, they won a game 21-9 to against Gwinnett. And it was like everybody broke out at the exact same time and got incredibly hot uh, and finished with great numbers. Like you wouldn't even know that the guys were struggling to get up you know to get off to a hot start. Um Spencer Horwitz ended up being the MVP, winning the bison's team MVP, and rightly so. Um his on base percentage is just out of this world. He had a 450 on base percentage, which was 26 points higher than the bison's modern era record. Um so he, he blew that away to, to set a new team modern era record. And then Rafael Antigua had an on-base percentage of 425, which is will be second in the modern era. Um, he beat the old record by a point. So the numbers that they put up were just incredible. Davis Schneider hit uh, 21, I think it was, home, yeah, 21 home mm-hmm. runs with the Bisons and then added another eight when he got, went up to Toronto. So, and, and he... I, when I interviewed him in, in probably May, um, he talked about that he's a traditionally slow starter. He's like, I don't know what it is, but every year I get off to a slow start, and then I catch fire. And, you know, Blue Jays fans saw what happens when uh, when he catches fire when he first came up. So, yeah, he was incredible. And then Cameron Eden, you know, what a season he had and, and the growth that he showed throughout the season. Um, the stealing bases just incredibly, like um, – setting 54? A new, yeah, 53 I think it was, 53. Okay. And he only got thrown out four times. That's a wow that part. Yeah. And um, you know, really uh really you could kind of see his growth through the season like that that he became a better hitter as the season went on and um yeah, and, and then guys like Ernie Clement too. I mean, he was just lights out here. His his average with Buffalo was 3.48. And, um, you know, there was just something about Clement I realized early on. Like, he, he just carried himself like a major leaguer. Like, you could just see that, you know, this guy's going, going places, right? When you saw him walking out on the field or talked with him, I, I really had a good feeling about him. And he, he played up to those standards um, and, and played well when he went up to Toronto as well. Um, And he's a local guy too. He grew up in Rochester, which is about a little over an hour away from Buffalo. He grew up a big Bills and Sabres fan. So it was great having him here too. And Nathan Lucas was the Bisons MVP in 2022. um, He was up and down with the Blue Jays and, you know, some guys when they get sent down from Toronto or or a big league club and come back to the minor leagues, it might bother them. And, and, And I'm sure, you know, he wanted to be up in the major leagues, but you couldn't tell by his performance on the field. Like he just kept hitting. Um, He'd come back down here and just keep hitting. And he had a remarkable year as well. He had 366 here in Buffalo. So the offensive numbers that this team put up, I think, you know, they were putting up uh, new Bison's records in in a lot of categories. And um, I think that's my biggest takeaway from the season is just what those guys are doing on the field. And and, and guys will go up like Ernie Clement and Spencer Horwitz and stuff. And, and they just kept hitting the Bisons just kept hitting. And Rafael Antigua was incredible this season. Um, he's a name that, that Blue Jays fans probably want to put on their radar as well. Like Damiano Palmagiani comes up from double a and he just kept hitting and and Aurelvis Martinez. You know, he had a great year here and, and showed his power. So just overall throughout the lineup, they just, it was, a, it was amazing one through nine, the numbers that they put up.
1: When I talked to Casey Candell, obviously you want to win games. They're important, but in minor league baseball, I guess in terms of success is developing players. Obviously you want to win games, but um, I guess the Bisons to me this year, Specific, specifically in 2023, I can talk. I thought did an outstanding job uh, developing players and having some of them come up to the, the Toronto Blue Jays. And uh, what are you looking for uh, towards the 2024 Buffalo Bison? Send?
2: Yeah, I agree with you on that. And um, 2024, I think there's a lot to look forward to. I mean, I, you don't know who's going to be here or who might make the, uh, the Blue Jays roster or even, you know, potentially trades and stuff like that, Uh in the off season but there's certainly a lot to look forward to um you know guys like addison barger he, he had a good year but he was hurt for a good chunk of it but man i tell you when you watch him hit he just hits balls so hard he just hits a rocket off his bat every time he has a great arm um and and seeing him fully healthy at the end of the year you could see what he can do Um, Damiano Palmigiani came up from double a, uh, late in the year and really didn't miss a beat. Like he, he had, I think four home runs with the Bisons and, you know, hit for a good average and he looked really well. Um, so seeing those guys and obviously like Ricky Tiedemann as well, we got to see him in a start here and he pitched great. He's only 20 years old, which is hard to believe. Um, wow. Yeah. And he's certainly a guy that could make the blue jays roster right out of of spring training next year or could come to buffalo for for some extra seasoning so um you know all those guys that are really exciting to look forward to in 2024 whether they're with buffalo or whether they're they're up with toronto right off the bat
1: and Damien, I think, is Canadian, and the Bisons over the years probably have had a number of Canadian players. So, when you do a book, uh, in the Brian, are you going to uh, mention the Canadian element of the Bisons as well? A little bit of connection there.
2: Oh, absolutely! It's kind of neat to see to see the guys come through and the connection. Otto Lopez too uh, grew up in Montreal and he's a big Canadian connection. Yeah, and so there's definitely uh, guys who've come up through, and it's great to see. I, I guess you could say Vladdy too, because he was born in Montreal, right?
1: Absolutely. And Hey, I want to give a shout out to Pat Mellicaro for giving me opportunities to do media the last two years. It's been great. Uh, uh, I feel like the Bison's organization, they treat me like one of their own and and yourself as well. And, and the players too. It's a nice feeling when you go on the field and the players are like, Hey, Chris, how you doing? It's just, and uh, I, I just want to say thank you to Pat. And, And uh, I was going to ask you, Brian, what are your thoughts on the the Bison's ownership and their management team there overall and Pat Malacarro?
2: The ownership here is absolutely tremendous. The Rich family um, helped get the downtown ballpark built and uh, bring, helped keep uh, minor league baseball in Buffalo. And they've been absolutely tremendous. Bob and Mindy Rich. Um, The, Management in Buffalo, going, going from Mike Bushkowski, who's the head of Rich Baseball Operations, Anthony Sprague, the general manager, Brad Bisping, the assistant general manager, are just fantastic and, uh, you know, really keep the Bisons a major part of the Buffalo community and and such a special part of a Buffalo summer is going to a Bisons game. Um, as far as Pat Malacaro, he's carrying on. A Buffalo tradition of incredible radio announcers. I there cannot be a minor league city in, in all of baseball that's had announcers like Buffalo has had, um, starting with Pete Weber, who was the, who was the announcer back in the '80s and and going on to Jim Rosen. Pete Weber's now with the National uh, Nashville Predators of the NHL. Then Jim Rosenhouse came in. And he is with the Cleveland now in the major leagues. And then it went from Jim Rosenhaus to Ben Wagner, who I know everybody knows because he's up in Toronto. And then now you got Pat Malacaro and Duke McGuire's been here with all those guys and um, carrying on that great tradition of being the voice of the Bisons. And I mean, really, you can't tell me that there's any minor league team in baseball that has a history like that of broadcasters because... We've really been blessed here in Buffalo to have those guys.
1: And uh I treat Buffalo like my second home because when I do the bisons or the bandits and or have guys like yourself and people from WGR on my show, everybody's been so supportive of my work and uh getting on hands training is so valuable and uh like I said, I'm very appreciative of the the Buffalo Bisons and I'm hoping to be at more ball games next season as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and I couldn't I agree with you more about that. The Bisons is just a great, and it's just a great fan experience. You know, I hear so often from people from Canada and Toronto coming down to, to check out um, Blue Jays prospects in Buffalo. And they're always amazed at like how close you can get to the players and, you know, players throwing balls into the stands and and you can get affordable tickets and, and seats to sit close. And it's just a, a great experience.
1: Okay. I'm just going to couple more quick questions, Brian, and then we'll wrap it up. Um, The parent team, the Toronto Blue Jays uh, go in the off season after their disappointing wild card exit to the Minnesota twins.
2: Yeah, it was disappointing. Wasn't it? When when we scheduled this show, I expected to be talking about the, the Blue Jays uh, going on a playoff run, but here we are Mm -hmm. talking about the disappointment. Um, You know, it, the offense all season was, it just felt like th- they just couldn't get it going, you know? And and I think lo- last offseason, losing in, in one offseason, losing Teoscar Hernandez and Lourdes Gurriel Jr., both of them, um, was just a lot to replace. And uh, they never, I, I, especially Teoscar, I felt like they never really replaced his bat in the lineup and just having him hitting in the right behind Vladdy and, you know, get, getting that going. It just felt like they never got it going. So I think that's probably the spot where they've got to look at, you know, pitching staff was great. And I know there's a lot of controversy about Barrios coming out of the game and in the, in the, in that last loss to Minnesota and everything. But the pitching staff was just great all season, was great in the playoffs. And, again, it was the offense that just couldn't get it going in the playoffs. So I think that's really where they have to, to focus in the offseason is just kind of figuring that out and, and kind of getting the right mix together, um, hopefully for next year to get back to hitting the way that we all know that they can.
1: I want to ask you this before we wrap this up. You saw him play down in Buffalo a lot. How good is Gabriel Moreno, Moreno, who's now with Arizona?
2: he he's fantastic and i was really sorry to, to see him get traded i knew that i knew they had three catchers and that somebody was probably going to get traded but defensively he's just incredible like he's got a great arm um tory lovello I, I i spoke with tory lovello played here in buffalo and managed here in buffalo so i kind of know him and i was talking with him about gabriel marino and he was saying like he's got like one of the quickest like releases from you know when he takes the ball back to release to throw to a base that he's ever seen. And um, I think just if he just was as good as he is defensively, he's gonna be a star, but he's much more than that, too. Like he hits the ball hard, hits for a, a good average, and then I, I think the power is gonna come, and we're kind of seeing that in the playoffs right now. He's got a couple monster home runs because he hits the ball so hard. Um, there was a game when he was in Buffalo. he hit a line drive to left field that that looked like it might be a home run but actually hit the wall and it was hit so hard that it stuck in the padding in the wall it just like made a hole and stuck in. it didn't fall into like a seam in the padding or anything it made its own hole in the padding because it was hit so hard so i he's still a young guy and i think the power is going to come and i really think he's going to be a star for a long time so it's great to see for him you know obviously you kind of wish he was still in the organization but uh I do think he's going to be a star, yeah.
1: I'm a Tigers fan, and I'm still upset about John Smote being traded for Doyle Alexander in 87. It was a good trade at the time, but long, long term, it set the Tigers back. I have John Smote there as well. Brian, um, covering the Bisons for a long time, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Who are Who are some of the top, most talented players you've seen come through Buffalo?
2: Oh, boy, that's a great question. Um, I think, you know, obviously I could go for the easy answer and say like Vladdy and Bo and and the guys who recently came through. Um, I think like going back to growing up and everything, you have to go back to like um, as a prospect, kind of like when they were with Cleveland, Brandon Phillips and uh, Grady Sizemore. um, Pitching-wise, like Bartolo Colon came through here. Uh, Matt Harvey was a big prospect for the Mets when they were here. Um, Brandon Phillips, who went on to have a great uh, major league career, he came through here when we were with Cleveland. Um, and then getting more to tr- the Toronto days, obviously Vladdy and Bo. They weren't here that long, but you could see the great potential and and that they were going to be stars when they were here. Obviously.
1: All right, and uh, we're going to wrap this up again i'm going to put you on the spot here just quick thoughts uh brian on uh, major league baseball postseason the lds and the nlds uh series and and uh who do you see getting into the world series and possibly winning the world series in 2023
2: you know i've really enjoyed watching the games so far you know yesterday i was watching tv all day um it, i i rooting for a lot of former bisons to be successful guys like gabriel moreno and Tory the, the National League matchup right now, the, the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers are actually two former bisons are managing the two teams because Dave Roberts played here with Cleveland. I oh, to- I
1: forgot about that. I forgot yeah. about that.
2: And Tory Lavallo too. So I I kinda hoping for some of those bisons guys to, to get far. Um, but you know, if if I had to bet I would that Atlanta Philadelphia series, like whoever comes out of that, I think is looking pretty pretty good I you know if I had to pick somebody to win a world series I might go with whoever whichever one of those two teams wins that um but again really pulling for former Bisons to be successful
1: how many former Bisons are currently up in major league baseball now, approximately
2: you know, I couldn't even venture a guess. Um, I try to I try to track them all
1: oh, yeah.
2: on Twitter and and give updates on them during the season, but it gets kind of hard because there's so many. <laughs> but and there's guys on like coaching staffs of, of a lot of the um, playoff teams too. Like Dusty Wathan, who played here, uh, he's he's uh, the third base coach for the Phillies now. So you got not only do you have players, but you have like guys who are in the coaching and managing and stuff like that now. Too like um, they're not in the playoffs, but like David Bell with the Reds, he played here um, back in the Cleveland days as well. So there's there's a lot,
1: and there's a Canadian connection between Philly and Atlanta. Obviously, Rob Thompson, who's the Phillies manager, is a Canadian baseball Hall of Famer from Sarnia, Ontario, and then with the Atlanta Braves, Alex Anthopoulos, the former Blue Jays general manager, who's done a great job with the Braves as their J- GM too as well.
2: Yep, absolutely.
1: So, all right. And we're going to wrap this up. Um, what are, just quickly, Brian, what are some fun facts about the Buffalo Bisons that the general public might not know about?
2: You know, I think for the majority of the Bisons history, they've been a minor league team and a proud member of the international league for most of it. They've been in a few other leagues like the American Association for the, a while or the Eastern League for a while. But um, we also have a major league history here. Um, Going back to those National League teams from 1879 to 1885, um, we had a Federal League team here, which was a major league that was kind of challenging the National League and the American League back in 1914 and 1915. And we had a Players League team, which was also a major league team back in the 1890s. But something else that people might not realize is we also have like a really proud uh, Negro league history here as well. Um, The Indianapolis clowns who had Hank Aaron playing for the playing 18 year old Hank Aaron playing shortstop for them for a while. were actually based out of Buffalo for uh, uh, four years, I think, or five years in the, in the early fifties. Now that kind of, when you say that, when you say they were based here, people, picture in their heads I'm paying like 30 40 50 games here which really wasn't the case they mostly like barnstormed around the country and played all over the place and they they might play like five or six games here in Buffalo um, between their barnstorming Um, but teams would Negro League teams would barnstorm through Buffalo as well like we would have the great teams like the Homestead Grays and the Pittsburgh Crawfords coming through and satchel page and josh gibson played here often so there's kind of like that kind of history that i think people aren't aware of that's really fascinating once you start diving into it
1: a lot of history there as well. Uh, Major League Baseball, Negro Leagues, and obviously uh, A Baseball. But it's a beautiful ballpark. Uh, there's lots of parking. It's right off the 190, and it's, what, seven minutes from the Peace Bridge if you're coming from Ontario. And uh, what would you tell somebody quickly who's never been to a Bisons game yet why they should come down in 2024? And uh, thoughts on the Savannah Bananas coming to mm-hmm. uh, Saline Field next July, which I hope to be a part of.
2: Yeah, so I think what you said, that it's so easy to get to the stadium from the Peace Bridge. It's so close. And uh, so it's really easy to come down to if you're up in Canada. Um, easy to to park at, easy to get into, affordable tickets. The Savannah Banana thing is going to be amazing. Um, yeah, that was a big announcement the other day. And they're actually going to play three games here at Salem Field. So um, there's a, a waiting list that you sign up for to get tickets or a list to get on um which the deadline is sometime in December so if people are looking to come uh to a game I'd I'd get on bisons.com and look that up and get yourself on the list because tickets are going to be just judging from the social media interest in the announcement tickets are going to be flying for that one so uh if you're interested in going to see the savannah bananas I would definitely get on bisons.com and look at Getting your name on that list to get tickets—it's going to be phenomenal.
1: I already have done that as well. One thing before we wrap this up: Are they going to have some of the Bison's media uh, covering this? Or are they the Bananas going to bring their own media coverage?
2: I think they'll have their own media coverage because the Bison's are actually on the uh, road at that time. I think they're in Rochester, um, if uh, if memory serves. So uh, it'll it'll probably be a bit different setup for that than what we're accustomed to.
1: Okay. And last question, we're going to wrap this up, Brian. Um, Where can my audience follow you on social media, your website, and uh, when is your next podcast going to be as well? And where's your podcast available for people that want to listen to your show?
2: Yeah. So I have a website, herdchronicles.com, that people can check out. That's where I post all my stories and you can look up, bison's history and, and blue jays prospects um i have a twitter feed at herd chronicles i recently uh within the last year started on instagram as well herd chronicles on instagram um started going on threads which is like the new big thing as well yes. you can look off. it's herd chronicles on there as well and i actually don't have a podcast i uh go on many podcasts and uh and, and sometimes i'm Pat Malacaro's podcast and a lot of local Buffalo podcasts, but I actually don't have one of my own. So you can read the written word at herdchronicles.com.
1: Okay. Well, you have a invite to come back on my show again in the future, Brian, and I will get you uh conf- contact information with Scott Crawford from the Canadian baseball hall of fame great guy does a great job with the uh, museum there and uh, hopefully one day you'll be able to come down to ontario and i can take you down to the canadian baseball hall of fame as well and uh they're always looking for uh from uh canadians that are involved with baseball teams too so who would i would talk who would i talk to on the bisons about that possibility uh i think
2: for memorabilia or something like that, it would probably be uh, either G- general manager Anthony Sprague or uh, Brad Bisping, the assistant general manager, probably one of them. Or Pat Pat can always hook you up uh, too if you if you talk to him because I know you know him well.
1: Absolutely. But Brian, I'm going to let you go so you can watch the rest of the Buffalo Bills game. Uh, I want to say thank you so much for coming on Season 6, Episode 47 today. And uh, look forward to when your book comes out. And uh, when do you know when the book is going to be coming out, approximately?
2: Uh, hopefully sometime in 2024. I'm always uh, hoping to work on it a lot here during the off season, and hopefully get it out in 2024.
1: All right, Brian. Well, thank you. Thank you so much enjoy the rest of your Sunday and uh, we'll definitely keep in touch with you on social media
2: all right thank you love being on thanks, thanks Brian
1: go Bisons alright guys I hope you enjoyed season 6 episode 47 today with my guest Brian Frank uh, from the Herd Chronicles he covers the uh, Buffalo Bisons and the history of professional baseball in Buffalo and he's also contributed to 15 books and uh, he's a huge lifelong Blue Jays fan as well and I got to know uh, Brian this uh, past two years uh, covering the Bisons as a media member thanks to Pat Carroll and if you've never been to a Buffalo Bisons game check them out next year if you're a Blue Jays fan baseball fan check it out you can get tickets for twenty dollars or less and uh, it, they do a great job with the game day or game night presentations at saline field and of course if you're from ontario it's seven minutes or six minutes from the peace bridge and they have really good food and drinks uh selection there and uh tremendous organization and uh, i'm looking forward to going back to buffalo uh next summer to cover the the bisons as well but uh Again, uh, thank you to um, Brian Frank for coming on this Sunday, October 8th, 2023. Before I wrap up this show, guys, I'm going to show you an interview I did with one of the Bisons uh, in August before he got called up with the uh, Blue Jays, and that would be Cam Eden, who said uh, Bison's uh, stolen base record uh, was 53 this year. It's Chris Palme here at St. Lane Field in downtown Buffalo. I have another special guest with me here during batting practice, and this is... Uh, Buffalo Bison center fielder Cameron Eden, and uh, he just uh, said, "A Buffalo Bison's modern day record was 44 stolen bases." And I'm going to bring Cameron on right now. Cameron, uh, congratulations on your 44 stolen bases this year, and uh, thoughts on that and the 2023 Buffalo Bisons.
0: Oh well, thank you. Um, Yeah, I mean it's definitely an honor to uh, you know be in the record book for the for the Bison. Uh, You know, great history, great program, um, great organization. And, uh, you know, I'm definitely uh, just happy to be a uh, part of that. And 2023, 2023 uh, Bisons, have been a, it's been a great time. I've learned a lot from all these guys, all the coaches. And, um, and yeah, I've uh, really enjoyed being here in Buffalo.
1: Thoughts on Casey Candell and the uh, Bisons organization? And was it like being drafted by the Toronto Blue Jays? Oh, Casey's
0: been the uh, first major in Pro Bowl in 2019 and uh you know just he, he's a great manager he knows so much about the game i'm constantly learning from him every day um and he really helps me out as much as he can he really has my back um, and he has all the players back on our team and um you know he's a great manager to play for and um, yeah the, the organization here is amazing they really take care of us they're um you know anything we need everything you know they're, they're really on top of it and uh it's uh it's, it's made um the 2023 season here in Buffalo, a long way from home, it's been it's made, it's made it very comfortable for me.
1: Is there a story, Cameron, behind your number?
0: No, there's actually not a story behind the number. People uh, people ask me if Derek Jeter was my favorite player uh, a lot of times, and they they think that that's the inspiration. Um, and it wasn't and it wasn't a purposeful inspiration. But now that uh, it's you know came out, it's kind of um, came about. And it's kind of uh, it's kind of a coincidence just because he is one of my favorite players growing up. Especially me being a shortstop, um, you know, throughout my career um, until until pro ball. So um, it was an accident, but uh, it, it's, uh, it's it's been great.
1: All right, I'm just running out of time on here, but just quick thoughts on your uh, recent visit to Toronto.
0: Oh, amazing city, so cool, now. and uh, you know, hopefully I can uh, spend some more time there and live there, you know, in uh, in the future.
1: Thank you so much, Cameron, for doing this. Cameron Eden from the Buffalo. All right, guys, that was courtesy of my YouTube channel. And I wish I've cut it down a longer interview with Cameron, but I ran out of memory RAM on my phone, so I need to upgrade that. But Cameron Eden, I got caught up to the Blue Jays, and I wish Cameron all the best going forward in 2024 in his pro baseball career with the Toronto Blue Jays, hopefully, and uh, continued success. And he's one of the the good guys. And that's the one thing, too, when you do media work, you have to be neutral, obviously. But when you get to know guys, you kind of quietly root for them. And I'm rooting for Cameron Eaton as well and the rest of the players on the Bisons team that have been great with my media work. All right, guys, we're going to wrap this show up, but Live with CDP Sports Talk is a weekly sports and entertainment talk show hosted by Chris Pomey. is always on weeknights at 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key of the home of Southern sports and talk the heartbeat of Atlanta. Our radio scenes website is dot 12345com as well. Live with CDP Sports Talk is live streamed on these platforms. YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, or X, Twitch, LinkedIn. And I want to say thank you to everyone for watching uh, today's episode with Brian Frank live streamed as well. You can also check out my website at beacons.ai Slash Christy Pome. All my digital media work and podcast radio shows are on beacons.ai slash Christy Pome. Live with CDP Sports Talk again is sponsored by Barry Collins Chevrolet Dealership at 905 Woodlawn Road West in the Guelph Auto Mall. Check out com for the newest selection of new and pre owned. GM vehicles. And also, guys, you can gear up for fall at Barry Collins Chevrolet with a 2023 Silverado 1500 pickup truck. 0.99% financing for up to 60 months, and eligible Costco members can receive a $750 bonus on select trucks at Barry Collins Chevrolet. Again, check out barrycollin.com or pop by dealership at 905 Woodland Road West in the Guelph Auto Mall. You can also follow me on TikTok at Live with CDP. That's at Live with CDP on TikTok. I post a lot of my media interviews with coaches and players, and all my media work and content is on TikTok as well. StreamYard is the official live stream provider of Live with CDP Sports Talk. If you're into webinars or podcasting, such as myself, check out StreamYard.com as well. Live with CP CG- Sports, the audio version is available on these platforms. iHeart Radio, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify for Podcasters, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, CastBox, LinkedIn, Pandora, TunedIn, and again, weeknights at 8 on WQEE 99.1 FM. Also, you can email or text live with CDP Sports Talk at cpame19 at gmail.com or you can text the shop at 920 if you have comments, questions, or suggestions as well. And before we wrap up this show today, I want to say thank you to the Toronto Argonauts organization, uh, not just for a 13-2 and season, winning the Great Cup last year. I was at the uh, game against the Oaks on Friday at BMO Field for their 150th anniversary celebration, and I got to meet uh, former Argonauts Pete Martin, Carl Brasley, um, Um, I'm trying to think Um, Doyle Orange and uh, Terry Greer and it was great they had over uh, I think they had over 40 Argos alumni for the 150th celebration and they had 10 members from the all-time Argos uh, uh, team there as well so it was a blast there and if you've never been to a game at BMO Field yet uh, check out Argonauts.ca for tickets or CFL.ca and the uh, Argonauts next game it's next Saturday, October 14th, 7 p.m. at BMO Field against the Ottawa Red Blacks. And the Argonauts are a tremendous organization, and uh, I've been able to cover them this year as media as well as a season ticket holder. And uh, also, guys... Uh, again, I hope some of you guys have never been to a Buffalo Bisons game. Check out Bisons.com. That's Bisons.com. And Saline Field is one of the nicest ballparks in minor league baseball. And they're a tremendous organization. And, uh, again, I want to say say thank you to Brian Frank from the Herd Chronicles uh, for coming on here again today. And you can check out his website, Her, uh, Herd Chronicles dot com as well. I hope everybody has a great rest of the day. Enjoy the NFL games, and here in Canada, happy Thanksgiving to everyone here in Canada. And uh, there is a Canadian CFL game on Monday at one o'clock. Uh, Ottawa and Montreal on TSN as well. And TSN does a great job with the uh, coverage of the Canadian Football League as well. And also, guys, the Eagles take on the Rams today at four o five. Uh, the Eagles, I'm predicting. The win 27 to 20 a game but i think that uh, birds will win by seven points as well and as we are talking now uh, i think towards the end of the third quarter jacksonville is upsetting buffalo 11 to 7 over in london england as well so i hope everybody has a great afternoon great evening and here in canada happy thanksgiving day weekend and uh enjoy the rest of the football games and uh, we'll see you guys next week for another edition of Live with CDP Sports Talk, brought to you by Barry Collins Chevrolet and weeknights at 8 on WQE 99.1 FM. Have a great afternoon, everyone. Happy